You are listening to No PC Allowed, a.k.a. No Political Correctness Allowed. And I am Mac Iverson. Have you ever walked through a spider's web? I'm sure we walk through microwebs all the time or even tiny little strands, and we never even notice it. The web strength compared to the size of the spider who spun it is incredibly strong. But it's nothing compared to a fully constructed spider's web that you can sometimes see with the sunlight behind it in the morning dew, clear as day. That beautiful mathematical-seeming symmetry is awe-inspiring. Today we're talking about the intersectionality of evil, and a spider's web is a near-perfect metaphor. Elitist Democrats have created an entire sick and profane industry out of this word. The left's idea of intersectionality is that, for example, one person can be both black and homosexual. Each is great on their own because both groups are victims of capitalism. So they intersection like two adjacent strands of a spider's web, making a strong strand even stronger. Let's add two more labels to that one person. Let's say not only is he black and homosexual, but transsexual and a pedophile as well. That's adding two more strands of victimization, making the spider's web stronger still. They may have even been born a pedophile, they claim. So they are victims too, which is good, but hold your horses. Being a pedophile really isn't as bad as we've been led to believe. So any quote-unquote emotional problems they're having is not their fault, of course. No, 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 no. It's the fault of capitalism and the Ku Klux Klan-inspired racism. After all, the KKK is everywhere. You see them at Starbucks having lattes with their hoods on and crossing their legs, and they have their burning crosses right there next to them. We see these Klansmen absolutely everywhere, in a manner of speaking, or so the demon cat, demon rat Democrats tell us. A word of warning here. Some social analysts rely too heavily on slippery slope arguments against any change, so they justify no changes whatsoever because any change might be disastrous. Life doesn't work that way. Sometimes we have to stumble forward and not know what the heck is going on. That's life. Slippery slope is a technical fallacy, but that doesn't mean that careless actions don't lead to other careless actions they usually do. Understanding these interconnections can make you very intelligent and aware so that you can see things that others can't even begin to see. We need more Americans like this if we want to save our precious country. In fact, you could even take the earliest possible seed of a really bad idea and extrapolate that to our current reality. One bad decision leads to another, and then to a bigger bad decision, and eventually culminates in all the soul-stealing stupidity on such a mass scale as we see it today. The ultimate earliest seed, of course, began in the Garden of Eden. All terrible scenarios begin with humanity making a small, small, almost inconsequential choice. That's how we rationalize things to ourselves anyway. But America has not been praying. Prayer was outlawed in schools in the early 1960s. What kind of legal contortionist could possibly look at the U.S. Constitution and come to that absurd conclusion? Well, silly, flawed man could, along with a whole lot of help from Satan and his demons. To help in understanding the etiology of bad decisions, let's look at a simple decision-making process. If we do action A, what will happen as a result? Then, what will probably happen? 
then what will probably happen, then what will probably happen, and so on. This sounds overly rigorous, but it's not. It's common sense. Obviously, we often don't know what will come from any one action, but this is a wonderful habitual exercise to engage in, especially when considering how it will affect not just us, but others. A lack of praying children very quickly led to the 60s hippie movement of sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Then we had the failure of Vietnam because of all the hippie student protests and communist sympathizers, especially in the Democrat Party, like Hanoi, Jane Fonda, and people of that type. Then there was the Watergate hysteria, which was a severe overreaction to something that was probably somewhat commonplace. Then the very flawed Jimmy Carter presidency with his misery index full of problems. I would argue that all of that was largely due to children not praying in schools going all the way back to the early 60s. Certainly enough time to greatly influence the momentum of the hippies and all the events that they influenced. Let's take a look at the intersectionality of drug use. Vice President Kamala Harris, or Kemi the Kami, likes to set up straw men fallacies a lot, like her very hippie-sounding claim that no one should be in jail for smoking weed. Even years ago, I wonder how many people were in jail for just smoking weed. Some, I'm sure, but the underlying assumption to such a relatively rare occurrence is that any mild drug offense for any drug including pushing drugs doesn't deserve any jail sentence. With Kami the Kami, you have to read between the lines because she is so dishonest with all her hidden agendas. Speaking of lightening up, if you'll pardon the expression, on those who use drugs, that is the cause celebre of the day. Drugs are everywhere and tons of micro-intersectionalities are the reason why. For example, the deep state controls the vast majority of the flow of intersectioned information in the world today. And so a smart question to ask is how does the deep state expect you to perceive reality when they control it? Well, a good place to start is to fire up the old idiot box, a.k.a. your TV. What does your idiot box tell you? Well, first, you'll probably see some commercials, almost all of them woke. You will see mixed-race relations and especially many blacks and homosexuals. The woke corporate message is that Because there's so much racism and homophobia in the world, we need to do our part to end the hatred and division by uniting us against Christians and conservatives. In other words, they're trying to turn all commercials into airhead woke Super Bowl commercials. These commercials are pushing drugs like never before. In 1997, prescription drug advertising on TV was legalized. Why? Big profits, of course. What sells drugs besides ads? TV content, of course. What needs to be on TV to sell drugs? Programs that make you sick. Stupid viewers like to eat junk food all the time. Junk food makes people sick over time, so have really, really stupid addictive content. Can you say Kardashians? The lower the quality of the show, the more likely the viewer is to be anxious and depressed. These are great shows to push anti-anxiety, medications, and antidepressants. In fact, the more degraded and diseased with moral rot the world is perceived to be by the viewer, the better the drug-pushing business. It seems obvious that news shows that dwell only on the bad news but are notoriously bad at offering any real solutions, the drive-by media, for example, is also a great place for drug pushers to advertise. 
What's more depressing than our current world without progress or solutions or hope? So big pharma business is a booming in a downer society. So all these seeming random occurrences actually intersect to greatly benefit the deep state. They want you to be stuck. Stuck on stupid. That's great for their business model, too. The more pathetic you are, the more you need the government, especially the demon cat, demon rat Democrats. There are plenty of rhino scum who want you down in the gutter for the count as well. Therefore, TV commercials, with their not-so-subtle messaging that we live in a bigoted world, push visually this idea that we need equity and inclusion. That's a big business as well. That's why Hollyweird and all its interconnected advertisers love Juneteenth and Pride Month. Both so-called celebrations are celebrating victimization. How do permanent victims feel all the time? Anxious and depressed. Well, the deep state mafia has drugs for that. And get this. Both Juneteenth and Pride Month are an entire month long. One full day isn't good enough. One full day isn't good enough, like the 4th of July or Memorial Day or Thanksgiving. They need an entire month to make sure you, the idiot box watcher, is good and brainwashed and gaywashed by the big money advertisers. You have become their investment. Again, these business models need victims to succeed. Big intrusive government is a business. Four of the top ten wealthiest counties in the USA surround Washington, D.C., Bought-off lobbyists and bought-off politicians and all their codependent connections live there. TV ads and shows push woke because the victim business needs holidays like Juneteenth and Pride Month to prime the pump for reparations. That's really what these propaganda holidays represent. Why are reparations so important? It helps solidify power for the Democrats. And someone has to pay for it. The rich won't. We know that because it's their business model. Besides, the rich have legal loopholes, at least the clever ones do, and most wouldn't be rich if they weren't at least clever. Besides, they're the ones who pay the politicians to write their loophole laws. So it's really all about reparations, or bleeding Republicans dry, the hardworking middle class. That's people like you and me, because we'll pay for the reparations, not the Democrat-controlled rich and poor lobbies. And yes, being poor is a lobby too. But the Republican middle class, because we can't afford it, they say, so we pay for it. That's why reparations means big profits for the Democrats. It financially wipes out all competition. It is mafia thuggery. When truly intelligent and moral and loving people are entirely removed from the political process, that's when they win. That's when evil wins. Reparations has nothing to do with fairness or equality or inclusion or justice or Christian love and kindness. Absolutely nothing. Only stone-cold, brainwashed idiots believe it does any of those things. Let's look at a police department example and how woke intersectionality hurts all of us. Political correctness started in college and eventually made its way into police precincts. Sensitivity training leads to awareness of victimization, which leads to lawsuits, which leads to woke policies, which leads to reverse discrimination, which leads to more lawsuits, 
which leads to a more empowered legal class, which leads to increased lobbying efforts, which leads to more intrusive laws and regulations, which leads to a more restrictive workplace, which leads to lower morale, which leads to greater stress and a less joyous workplace. Everything I just mentioned was a pre-planned spider's web of intersectionalities. The more intersections that overlap, the stronger and the more unterrible the web becomes. Woke is a big money investment that pays huge dividends. And that's just the police department. What happens when that same basic process is repeated in the military or all of the other institutions and areas of life? Now we've got hundreds of pressure points, and it happened so gradually that we were barely aware of it because the mobster-controlled drive-by media won't talk about it, or if and when they do, they totally misanalyze everything on purpose to throw us off the scent of ever solving this complex maze of endless intersectionalities. So the end goal for the police department is to get the very best cops to leave the department and to replace them with woke cops who tow the line and don't mind goose-stepping to all the PC woke garbage. Why? It will be far easier for a more fascistic woke force to be used to bully and intimidate and eventually break into people's homes and arrest for whatever fashionable woke reason there happens to be. People who doubt this possibility don't understand the recorded history of fascism or of human nature. Remember January 6th? Same thing with America's military. All this evil, woke, trans crap causes the best servicemen to leave and keeps the very best out of the military. It scares them out. To replace them, we don't get the very best anymore. Now we get the very worst. Woke scumbags who don't mind attacking Americans. Again, breaking indoors at 5 a.m. for perceived violations of whatever the woke du jour happens to be. Same thing with the FBI and CIA and entire Justice Department. That is all happening right now with irrefutable evidence. Shame on us Americans for ever allowing organized crime to take over the United States of America. Shame on us. However, we're an intersection network too, our side. But we have a problem, and that problem is twofold. Number one, they're at war with us, but we're not at war with them. That's a problem. A war is being fought, but most of us aren't fighting. Most of us might be aware of it, but awareness and fighting are two different things. That's number one. Number two, they are highly organized and intersectioned, and our network is not. That's an even bigger problem. If you're not organized, you can't even circle the wagons. You can't even play effective defense, let alone effective offense. No war can be won, obviously, just plain defense. Right now, we have to be mostly offensive. It's something conservatives aren't too good at. We tend to be reactionary, which is a good thing. That means we react negatively to stupid leftist ideas. But we're lousy at pushing our superior ideas. We tend to be independent leaders. That's putting it rather romantically, but far more so than the bought-off left anyway. Let's face it. The other side is controlled by a satanic influence. They don't rest because they don't know how to rest, because they are not a joyful, happy people. 
They need to relieve their torment, the ones who are running all this, the leaders of China and the Davos crowd. They became billionaires because they weren't satisfied being just millionaires. Therefore, they are driven by something unholy. There's no question about that. It's easy to create a vast spider's web of evil intersectionalities when all you have to do is place some dirty money on the table to get your way. That's too easy to do, and so they've done it. We are living in an American bribocracy. A blatant example of this is when California uses public union money and middle-class taxpayer dollars to screw our kids up with insane and evil woke indoctrination and then proposes $500 million of that same money for mentally ill kids. That's kind of funny. The illness and the therapy intersection. They screw them up first, then they want to finish them off when they're at their weakest with even more woke indoctrination. That's the intersecting of evils. Action steps number one. Understand What's the best way to tear away at a massive complex web of absolute evil? Do you talk to it? Do you reason with it? Play games with it? Or do you grab a blowtorch and send that massive spider sitting in the middle of it and its unholy mansion straight back to the hell from which it came? Methinks you know the answer. Action step number two. One of the reasons why people aren't afraid of this web is because it mostly affects the unaware. It tricks you just like a spider. Outliers aren't affected as much because, for instance, I separate myself as much as possible from their web. I recognize it, so I don't get entangled as easily. Dealing with evil can quickly make you evil. That's why the web is so important to them. They want choice to be removed. But God says no to this. If people are ensnared into evil against their will, such a system will fail eventually. We must not be cornered into hell. We must choose to go there. So do all you can to remain in the world, but not of it. Purposefully avoid the web of deceit. Oh, what a tangled web we weave when first we practice to deceive. In describing this entangling, intersectional overreach of American laws and government. French observer Alexis de Tocqueville wrote this even way back in 1840. The supreme power then extends its arm over the whole community. It covers the surface of society with a network of small, complicated rules, minute and uniform, through which the most original minds and the most energetic characters cannot penetrate to rise above the crowd. He also wrote, The American Republic will endure until the day Congress discovers it can bribe the public with the public's money. Unquote. Now we have long since passed that day. America is now on life support because of it. But... To pass through to a full recovery, Mr. de Tocqueville offers this admonition. The greatness of America lies not in being more enlightened than any other nation, but rather in her ability to repair her faults. And that, dear listener, is where you and I must come in. 
And here's another way you can make a huge difference. Please make absolutely certain that you follow us on Twitter at NoPCAllowed, spelled A-L-O-U-D. Again, that's at NoPCAllowed, spelled A-L-O-U-D. Share with your friends and family on Twitter. Share a review and get the word out. Absolutely everyone can do that to help save America. You've been listening to No PC Allowed. I am Mac Iverson. We will meet again next week and every week.